Hello, and welcome to this profile episode of the History of Yugoslav Football podcast. A special Christmas present for you listeners, taking a look at perhaps the first family of Yugoslav football, the Milutinovic brothers, Milos, Milorad and Bora. A family from what is now the western border of Serbia that would make their presence known both on the pitch and in the dugout. To modern observers, Bora is perhaps the most famous of the three, thanks to his exploits in international management, but each of the brothers distinguished themselves in one way or another. Milos Obrad Milutinovic was born in 1933, the eldest of four children, and became known as the Plava Sigla, the blonde buzzer, renowned as one of the best players Yugoslavia has ever produced, alternating between the white wing and centre forward. His father would die young, and the family would move to the mining town of Bor, where Milos would set up his own youth club called the Grasshoppers to meet his need to play football. Both he and Milorad began their careers there, and then through the local club FK Bor, moving to Partizan together in 1952. Milos had attracted attention quickly, playing for the national youth team before moving to Belgrade. In the 1951 UEFA Under-18 Championships, Milos captained the team, was named player of the tournament, and then lifted the trophy at the end for good measure. His move to Belgrade, however, was conducted in great subterfuge. He would be picked up by a member of the board of Bor and driven to Belgrade, where they would then turn back on themselves and hide under a bridge for over three hours to, as per the driver, rest while the heat dies down. The reason for that heat was that it was Sylvain's Fiesta who were bringing Milos to Belgrade, and they had a political ally as part as part of the intelligence agency, in the car there with Milos. They pulled up to a house close to the JNA stadium so as to keep him thinking that he was going to Partizan, where he was then greeted by dignitaries from the Sviesta, interrogated um, by them over when Milos was going to join Sviesta, shown in a copy of next day's paper announcing he had signed for Sviesta, Milos, at this point, had already given his word to Partizan, and stated as much over and over. As a result, he then had his ID confiscated, his footballing registration confiscated, and medical samples taken, and told to sign a contract with Siesta to get his details back. He eventually did, was released from his kidnapping experience, and then still joined Partizan. After this affair, the army themselves intervened to ensure that Sviesta's registration was made invalid and that Milos would be banned from football until and unless he joined Partizan. He was an incredible signing for the club. In 213 games, he scored 231 goals, with 53 in 87 First League games, and would become the top scorer in the first ever European Cup most notably scoring a double in a snow-covered Belgrade in a 3-0 defeat of Real Madrid. Real would attempt to sign Milos after the game to partner Alfredo Di Stefano up front, but given the very stark political differences between Yugoslavia and Spain at the time, no transfer to the fascist country was entertained. In 1958, Milos would move to the still-ascendant OFK, 
but would play only eight times before being laid low with illness. Milos had struggled with tuberculosis for some time, but in early 1959, when running through on goal against Suchieska, he collapsed, his body torn by the exertions of having played for over four years since his original diagnosis with slowly progressing tuberculosis, with only bits and pieces of rest permitted. He thought he was dead and was told to rest for over two years. Few paid him any heed during this time. No teammates visited Milos in hospital and the grand gift from the national team in honour of his service was a total of five oranges. During his recovery, Milos would be on the move. A German businessman contacted him through the press, offered to pay for surgery required to speed up his recovery and asked for only one thing in return, that he join that man's football club, Bayern Munich. He spent a successful season there, becoming the most respected player at the club and known as Meister Milos, becoming an idol of a young Franz Beckenbauer. After Bayern, Milos moved to Paris and joined Racing, where his signing was welcomed by L'Equipe Editorial in the following fashion. I will always be against the arrival of foreigners to French clubs, with one exception, Milutinovic. Why? He is not a football player, he is an artist. And for artists, there are different criteria. In two seasons at racing, Milos scored 28 goals in 66 Ligue 1 games. Following that successful spell, he moved to Stade Francais in Paris and spent another two seasons there, retiring for the first time in 1965. Three years later, Dragosav Sekulac, who will definitely be getting a profile episode, don't worry, contacted Milos and asked him for one more season playing and to join him at OFK, who Milos, two seasons prior, had actually managed for a year. Milos's first game in Yugoslavia for a decade drew 30,000 fans to see him score the, the opening goal in a 3-2 win, scoring 13 in 42 games in his last hurrah. With illness taking away much of the peak of his career and his move abroad invalidating him from national selection, Milos only managed 33 caps for the national team albeit with two World Cups in amongst them. Most notably, he scored a double against Romania in a 1958 qualifying game, achieved while concussed and with a heavily bandaged head. Tito himself would listen to it on the radio in his car and offered Milos a three-week holiday at one of his private residences in honour of his goals. His final goal for the national team will come in a 5-0 hammering of England in Belgrade just before that 1958 World Cup, with his last game for the, na- for the nation taking place at that tournament in Sweden. After his playing career, Milos became a well-travelled manager. We've already mentioned that he took in OFK prior to his second spell as a player there, before a couple of smaller jobs in Yugoslavia prior to joining Atlas Guadalajara. After that was a season at Besiktas, before joining Vélez Mostar for what would be the most notable phase of his managerial career, the early 1980s. The Vélez Mostar side of this era were, arguably, the last truly great single generation of a Bosnian club, 
and won the cup in his first season, featuring the talents of Blaz Suskovic and Vahid Halihodzic, and would bring back Dusan Bajevic to the club after that cup win. After finishing 7th in the league the following year, Milos would be poached by Partizan and win the first league in his time there before taking over as national team manager, leaving after the failed qualification campaign for the 1986 World Cup. A pair of short stays in Turkey would be followed by a final season at Partizan prior to leaving the managerial ranks in 1991. He spent the remainder of his life alternating between Belgrade and a cottage in the countryside before his death in 2003. Milorad would be born two years after Milos in 1935 and would track Milos's career to some extent. He would be part of Partizan's defence when Milos was leading the attack and followed him to OFK. But when Milos fell ill and ended up abroad, Milorad moved back to Partizan becoming part of the defence again as they won three titles in a row in the early 1960s. He returned to Bor before moving to Switzerland to join La Chaux-de-Fonds, then spending a season at Nucatel Zamax both as player and manager. He would not play for the national team but was picked as part of the squad for the 1958 World Cup. After retiring he would remain in Switzerland for much of the remainder of his life, dying there in 2015. Finally, Velibor, mostly known as Bora Militinovic, arrived well after his older brothers, being born in the dying embers of the Second World War in September 1944. Where Milos and Milorad knew their parents, Bora did not. His father died in the war, his mother just after from TB. His introduction to football would be similar to that of his brothers. Playing at the base of the midfield, he started at OFK in 1958 with all three brothers in the same squad, albeit they never played together in the same team. After that, he joined Partizan with Milorad. Again, Bora would not play a game for them alongside him. Bora would spend six years at the JNA, albeit the last on loan at OFK. After his time at Partizan, Bora moved abroad to begin his nomadic experience. A season with Winterthur in Switzerland, then two seasons at both Monaco and Nice, a season with Rouen, before moving to Mexico and beginning an association that would define his career with Pumas UNAM. As a player, Bora will be part of the team that won the club their first Copa Mexico and their first league title. On retirement from playing, he became part of the coaching staff, taking over as manager in 1977, just in time to take over a burgeoning young talent by the name of Hugo Sanchez. He would win the league title as manager, along with a pair of continental titles. The recognition from his time at Pumas meant he was granted the chance to lead the Mexican national side at the same time as Mexico became hosts of the upcoming 1986 World Cup. Bora would go on to manage the nation through that World Cup, taking them to the quarter-final stage before being knocked out on penalties by West Germany. His daughter was born during the tournament, with the Caesarean section moved forward a day during the group stage on the insistence of the doctor, who didn't want the birth to clash with Mexico's last group stage game and for Militinovic to be distracted. Next on his travel list was a cup of coffee spell in Argentina at San Lorenzo, followed by a similarly brief spell at Udinese, a similarly brief spell at Veracruz, and a similarly 
brief spell at Tecos before he chose to take on international management as his true passion. He took over Costa Rica immediately before the 1990 World Cup and then took them to the second round after defeating Sweden and Scotland in the group stage. It was enough for him to catch the eye of the wonderfully named Hank Steinbrecher, the head of the US Soccer Federation, and immediately stamp his authority on the team, dropping players who were members of the USSF, dropping their top goal scorer, and telling Alexi Lalas to either get a haircut or get off the team. That last one was not a battle Bora quite won. The USA managed a draw and a win in the group stage and reached the second round as one of the best third-placed group teams, where they were knocked out 1-0 by Brazil, thanks to a late goal by Bebeto. He would be sacked the following year by the USA after not wanting to get involved in the administrative responsibilities the Federation wanted to place on him. He promptly took back over as manager of Mexico and won the 1996 Gold Cup, qualifying for the World Cup before being sacked. He was then personally appointed to be Nigerian manager by the totalitarian ruler General Abacha, as the only candidate the FA would actually dare put to him. In France 98, his Nigerian side defeated Spain in the groups before getting knocked out by Denmark in the second round. Four World Cups in a row for four different nations and four times qualifying from the group was an incredible record and got him a new chance in the USA at the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars, now the New York Red Bulls, and promptly had the worst single season record in MLS history. Rightly figuring out from that spell that maybe club management wasn't for him, Bora next turned up managing China and took them to the first ever World Cup. Thrown in against Brazil, Turkey and Costa Rica, China lost all of their games without scoring a goal. It remains their only ever World Cup appearance and it will be Bora's last World Cup appearance. Spells at Honduras, Jamaica and Iraq would follow. His exploits as an international manager at consistently outsider nations garnered him the nickname of the miracle worker. He now lives in Qatar with his wife and is an ambassador for the 2022 World Cup. If there's an opening in the dugout for the national team just before they host the competition, you probably wouldn't bet against him turning up at the World Cup as Qatar manager aged 78 on the opening night. All three brothers excelled at one point or another. Milos and Milorad both travelled to World Cups as players, Bora as a manager. Milos stands as one of Yugoslavia's truly great players. Bora as one of its truly great managers. And the family as one of its truly great dynasties. Thank you for listening. I'll see you in 2020.